You're listening to another episode of the Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to continue our series talking to alums, working on get out the vote things, election things. We're getting closer and closer, so we want to connect with them. 2015 NLC Miami fellow Aaron Boslan is here. We'll catch up with him. He's got a couple inching projects he's working on and wanted to touch base with us. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Aaron, what's your plan for election day and night? How are you taking in the, the quote-unquote festivities? Well, hopefully it's festivities and not you know, <laughs> the, the apocalypse cometh. But um, what the plan is, is that I'm working in communications for Congresswoman Donna Shalala's re-election. And I'm also uh, overseeing a, a candidate for uh, Pinecrest Council, which is a municipality within Miami-Dade. Uh, and Congresswoman Shalala's, uh, knock on wood, victory party is going to be um, in Pinecrest. And so we're looking to combine the two and I'll be sort of going between uh, the two events and hopefully celebrating two victories. And are the folks you've been talking to for the projects and the campaigns and the people you're working on and for, what do you feel like are the messages that are resonating the most with people right now? It's a great question. And it's interesting because I'm working with a number of different groups, right? So there's um, obviously Congresswoman Shalala's reelection. Um, and then Shannon Del Prado is running for a very local seat uh, in the Pinecrest municipality. And I'm also working with um, Men for Choice, which actually comes out of an NLC capstone yeah. in Chicago. Uh, Oren Jacobson, the founder uh, of Men for Choice, is, a, uh, is, a, is an NLC fellow. Um, and we're helping organize uh, men to step up as, as pro-choice advocates and allies uh, in Florida, Georgia, and Ohio. But what I'm finding across all of those very different groups, congressional race, local race, um, organizing men um, into direct action in, in, in pivotal states, is that a focus on people's lives is what's resonating, right? People don't want buzzwords. They don't want catchphrases. They don't want all of the sort of, you know, the, you know, sort of faking the belief that we're in some sort of a yeah. normal moment. People get we aren't. Um, and they want people who are going to focus on doing things uh, that will make people's lives better and that reflect uh, their own values. And I think in all those cases, the idea that really shines through is just like community and protecting people's um, lives, protecting health. And then one of the more interesting communities is, is the community of Florida. And I feel like every election cycle, right, we're always like, oh, what's going to happen in Florida this time? And we're always bracing for the most insane possible outcome. Do you have the same anxieties and fears? Are you seeing different things in the state? What can you tell us? Yeah. So Florida, I think, um, and I, and I, and I really believe this deeply is the state that has the most potential, uh, of any state in the country and the worst leaders of any state. in the country. <laughs> okay. And so why is that important uh, to our outcome? We're not, a, we're not a Republican state. We really aren't. There's uh, over 200,000 more registered Democrats than there are Republicans. Um, and it's not just the statewide margins, like in Miami-Dade County, for example, um, where uh, Hillary Clinton won by 33 points in 2016, there was not a Democratic candidate on the ballot for mayor. Mm. So if you think about it, you have two Republicans, it's a nonpartisan seat technically, but they were both Republicans uh, who ran. We didn't lose that seat because they preferred Republican ideas. We lost because we literally didn't run a Democrat who made wow. it to the top two. This year, we have an extremely strong Democratic candidate uh, in Daniela Levine-Cava, who's a progressive champion and a past social worker, big supporter of NLC, um, mentor to me and many of us in the NLC community. And so with people like her in office, we can start to build that infrastructure um, that does what the Republicans have been doing for 20 years, which is which is which is uh, coordinate and organize. That said, 
Um, the reason it is so close is that Republicans realize their ideas are not resonant, um, and they realize that left to just an even like you know sort of test of of, of principles, uh, they'd win in some areas of the state. They wouldn't win the way they normally do. Um, and so what they do is they're very, to their credit, very organized, very disciplined, and they approach with surgical precision exactly what they need to do uh, to get over the line. And they'll do anything. You know, they'll lie. They'll make things up. You're hearing a lot about um, all of these fake, uh, outrageous, uh, just made up conspiracy theories about Joe Biden. Um, I don't want to repeat what they are. Uh, they're just, you know, alleging ridiculous conduct. Um, and they're targeting that to like Venezuelans in Miami who might be persuadable. So it's like this, they're not doing it because they plan to do anything for Venezuelans, but they know that like if 3% of Venezuelans are persuadable and they lose Venezuelans 60, 40, rather than like, you know, uh, 63, 37, that's the election right there. So that's, Mm. that's my fear is how much of their really, um, uh, uh, a combination of good strategy and willingness to lie. Um, does that get them across? That's the fear I have. And then on election night itself, you know, I feel like a lot of folks uh, that I know are based here on the West Coast. Florida usually is the first indication of how the night will go. What do you tend to look for and watch for once the polls close on that uh, side of the country? So Florida, it's it's the metro areas, um, but uh, you want to be looking at this year in particular, Tampa and Orlando, um, which um, a lot of Puerto Ricans uh, relocated to Orlando um, after Maria. Uh, and, and Orlando has the largest um, concentration of Puerto Ricans outside of New York. In fact, I think it's like approaching, I'm going to sound stupid if I'm wrong, but it's like approaching the numbers of like, the amount you have on the island, right? Like it's on that track, right? You hear about how there's like more Puerto Ricans living in New York and Puerto Rico. Like Orlando's sort of headed in that direction. Now it's not as big, but um, very large population there. Uh, and uh, for a number of reasons, um, Puerto Ricans tend to be more democratic. And so that's a good thing. Um, and, and they do a good job up in Orlando mobilizing and organizing and have some really good elected officials at the local level and state level who are getting out the vote. Tampa this year um, is... is doing a good job and it's a big county it's like tampa st petersburg um and that whole area and so you want to be looking at those votes coming in um and then a few other pockets tallahassee uh gainesville which is where the university of florida is the college towns um that's going to be a really good sign early on do the college towns turn out right is turnout up in tallahassee is it up in tampa in the area in the parts of tampa where the university of south florida is um, is it up in Miami-Dade in the precincts where Florida International University are reporting? That's going to be the real sign of did Democratic turnout um, deliver at the level it needs to. Um, and then the other thing is going to be the margin in Miami-Dade and turnout. Um, and uh, if there's an increase in uh, the Democratic spread, uh, in particular in Central Florida and Orlando relative to last time, because that could make up any margins that Trump's. Um, made in Miami-Dade through some of this, um, you know, lying to Venezuelans and disinformation and all the stuff they do. Yeah, yeah, got it. When we get back with Aaron, we'll talk a little bit more about his NLC experience and some of the things that came out of that time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Aaron, a lot of chapters uh, were picking their fellows for 2021 this month. What do you remember from your fellows time back in the day and, and what kind of ways have you stayed involved with the chapter since then? 
Oh, I loved my fellowship experience. I um, So I came in, I moved to Miami in 2012 through a program called Teach for America. Um, and I, it's a two-year commitment, and I uh, chose to, to teach as a public high school teacher in Miami-Dade County. I uh, chose to teach beyond my two-year commitment. And uh, so in my third year, I ended up staying four, but in my third year is when I became an NLC fellow. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really turned the corner from being someone who was committed to the idea of possibly staying in Miami to Miami becoming home. Um, I, you know, got to know a whole world beyond, because I lived across the street uh, from the school that I worked in. I was very invested in the idea of being part of the community. But NLC showed me all the other parts of Miami, and it showed me how people think about issues. And it showed me that a lot of what I was seeing as a public school teacher um, was not things that were sort of obvious to me because I was seeing that were not necessarily obvious. And it showed me that I had something to contribute in terms of um, public leadership and in terms of uh, who, who I could advocate for and how I could advocate. Um, and it also similarly showed me that uh, ways that like I hadn't been exposed to thinking in terms of uh, some of the union organizers, some of the lawyers, some of the business people, um, the way that they thought about social issues uh, and how we were similar and how we were different uh, gave me a really powerful sense of what uh, what I could do in Miami and, and what it would look like if we built out our infrastructure here and what role I might play. Um, and I've like really kind of like ridden it far, right? I'm, I've been involved heavily in three organizations that come out of NLC capstones. Um, one is called Engage Miami, which is the classmates capstone. I went on to become chair. Um, and that's youth, civic, and political engagement. So getting young people involved in Miami-Dade politics, nonpartisan, just creating platforms for young people to get involved. And like when I was chair, for example, we distributed 120,000 voter guides, mm-hmm. um, 53-page comprehensive voter guides about young people's issues to young people in Miami-Dade. Uh, I'm on the uh, advisory committee of an uh, organization called the NIA Project that uh, sends students of color from Miami-Dade on a competitive, fully funded leadership scholarship uh, abroad in the belief that travel awakens leadership. That was someone's 2014 capstone, um, and eight years later, it's still going strong. Um, so support those students, fundraise for that, um, support them to and through college. Uh, and then, of course, Men for Choice, which comes out of NLC Chicago has become a significant part of my life, and I've been helping with their national expansion into Florida, and I wouldn't have known it existed if it weren't for NLC. So um, the idea of like learning across and playing my role in strengthening the progressive ecosystem, um, I owe a lot to NLC. Yeah, well said. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for all you're doing for the various campaigns in Florida and beyond. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to catch the episodes we've dropped this week featuring other alums doing important work for voter registration, voter protection, all those key aspects that will hopefully give us a good outcome on Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening. Get those at Apple Podcasts, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. Until next time, 